in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. I want to touch on Uber and Tesla separately. Tesla first because it's a quick one. People are listening to the two episodes we published earlier in the year. Each was around our opinion as to the probability of whether or not Tesla would be acquired. I, I still feel the same way. I think to expect that a company, Volkswagen or otherwise, would, would swallow Tesla when so much is in flux as it relates to their operations, so much is fluid. You don't really know what you're getting. You're getting IP. You can capture some of those learnings by investing in the company. So whether it be Volkswagen or somebody else, you could take a stake in the company and share technology, right? Much the way that, that Renault and uh, Nissan did for years. They shared technology. They had a tie-up. You can make that type of a relationship work. You don't have to swallow Tesla in its entirety and acquire the entire company and then try to sort out the operation. That would be a lot for anybody to, to swallow. And I, don't know, I don't know why you'd want to onboard that risk to your operation. Now, moving on to Uber. So Uber, you know, I pick on these guys. You know, in the past, we've said we don't like the business model. Not a lot of intellectual property in the business model. When you start to see Waymo and some of these other companies, Cruise Automation, which is owned by GM, when they start to release their autonomous fleets, which will happen first, before you have autonomous vehicles in the driveway, you're going to have these fleets. And, and Waymo has a you know a small fleet in, in Phoenix. But you'll, you'll start to see the, the taxi services, the, the autonomous taxi services like Waymo has in Phoenix, start to spread to other cities. And then what, what, does, what does Uber do then when they're still relying on drivers and that more expensive operating model? So they just don't have a lot in the way of intellectual property a defensible business. I just don't see it. They're investing a whole lot of money in this new app. There was a profile that was done of uh, Dara Kasvashahi, uh, Uber's CEO, and a good chunk of that app is around local transportation. So they're going head-to-head with Google Maps, and Google also happens to be investing in maps. That's a battle. 100% I can promise you that Uber's going to lose. They just don't have the balance sheet to compete with Maps, with Google Maps. So it just feels like they're throwing good money off the bed. Put that aside. If you just kind of look at the, the, the filing just for the June quarter, and you go through the income statement, and you've got total revenue of $3.2 billion. Cost of goods sold, cost of revs, is 55% of revs at $1.74 billion. And for Uber, and I'll read this to you from the 10Q, cost of revenue, cost of goods sold, so cost of revs exclusive of depreciation and amortization consists primarily of core platform insurance expenses, credit card processing fees, hosting and co-located data center expenses, mobile device and service expenses, amounts related to fare chargebacks and other credit card losses, excess driver incentives, and costs incurred with carriers for Uber freight transportation. Core platform insurance expenses include coverage for auto liability, general liability, uninsured and underinsured motorist liability, and auto physical damage related to our ride-sharing products and Uber Eats offerings. Excess driver incentives are primarily related to our ride-sharing products in emerging markets and our Uber Eats offering. So those expenses are 55% of revenue, and you're not going to see much operating leverage. So in other words, as, as total revenues grow, that cost of good lines, if anything, would see very modest operating leverage. So in other words, that 55% isn't contractually fixed, but it's more or less where you're going to see that that number come in at in subsequent quarters. Then they have a line item called, in addition to the traditional OPEX line items, which would include sales and marketing, R&D, G&A, 
they have an additional line item called operations and support. Operations and support expenses consist primarily of compensation expenses, including stock-based comp to employees who support operations in cities, driver operations employees, community management employees, and platform user support representatives, as well as costs for allocated overhead in those associated with driver background checks. And they put that operations and support expenses line item in with the other operating expenses. And if you read the 10Q, so I just read you the description from the 10Q, but then it goes on and it sounds like, if anything, there's minimal operating leverage in that line item as well. So to me, that line item feels like cost of goods sold because there's just not much room to scale. You know, as you bring on drivers, you got to do background checks. You know, that doesn't, doesn't go away. Background checks don't get cheaper, you know, as you layer them on. So that to me feels like it belongs up in COGS. So if you do that, if you put operations and support expenses up and cost of goods sold, the gross margin dips from 45% to 31%, okay? And both of those numbers are ex-stock comp. So now you've got a gross margin that's 30% of revs, 31 to be precise, but you know, 30% round number. And that number is not going to change much over time. So that doesn't give you a lot of room to play with on the operating expense lines. This isn't a software company. Despite the fact that they tout the app, the uh, expenses as a percentage of revenue don't behave like a software company. You know, if you want to call Uber a technology company, it behaves more like a, a hardware company, right? These aren't, these aren't friendly margins. Sales and marketing, X stock comp, 32% of revenue in the June quarter. A little high, not outrageously high. You could probably squeeze that down to mid to high 20s. I don't know enough about the business model to know that you know, to have an, a, a, a granular understanding of what each additional dollar in sales and marketing expense generates in terms of customer acquisitions and things of that nature. So what's the ROI on every dollar invested in sales and marketing? So I don't know where that should be optimally, but it, it, it feels reasonable at 32% of, of revs. But I'd like to see them bring it down a little bit and get the profitability that much sooner. R&D, and that's what I had layoffs where they announced layoffs last week r&d in the june quarter was 16 percent of revenue and for a technology company that's not that's not high typically you would see r&d between kind of like 12 18 percent of revenue and if you want to develop some real intellectual property you'd kind of like to see uber increase r&d as a percentage of revs again i just don't have granular knowledge of the business to know where it would make sense to do so I know they had some layoffs in the autonomous driving unit, and that makes sense. When you're losing money, you typically don't want to plow money into an initiative like autonomous driving, which is going to be expensive and expensive for a long time. It's going to be a long time before you can canvas the United States or the world, for that matter, with autonomous vehicles uh, to to provide a, a autonomous rideshare offering. I mean, just, just, just look at Waymo that has more vehicle miles traveled under its belt than anybody. And it's still not ready to go broad with an autonomous taxi service. Safety is not there yet. It's too early. It's going to be years. So it's good that they're not investing a ton of money in autonomous initiatives, they being Uber. GNA is high, 27% of revs. That number should be low double digits, 10%, 12%. So I don't know what they have buried in in that number. I read the description on the 10Q, and it, it, it just doesn't give you enough colors to know as to what's really going on there. But the, there's, there's definitely wiggle room there. So my, my point being that when Uber talks about profitability, they don't have a lot of room to play with, given that between cost of revenue as they define it and then this operation and support expense line, doesn't feel like there's a lot, a lot of leverage there.
and so it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, of room to get that the, the gross margin that I calculated, which is the combination of cost of revs plus this operations and support expense line, uh, which, which, which nets you a gross margin of 31%, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, of, of leverage there. And I would really like to see them. It's a little deceptive, it feels to me, to have that operations and support line down in uh, the operating expenses. It really feels like the way to describe it anyway, that it belongs up in cost of goods. So I don't like when companies get cute with numbers like that. So not a lot of, of wiggle room for Uber as it relates to getting a profitability. So it just doesn't feel like a, a company you'd want to invest capital in. You don't have a lot of room to play with. And then therefore, how are you going to build a defensible business model, create intellectual property such that as you scale revs, you can drive meaningful profitability? I don't see where that opportunity exists in Uber's current business model. It's all for now. See you next time.